If you turn with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, we're going to talk about the first Christmas. I was uh, thinking about this week about the first Christmas and about all the people that are involved in the first Christmas. You know, it's Mary and Joseph, the angels, shepherds, wise men, um, Anna, Simeon, all those people. They are all part of the first Christmas story. And, uh, and, the, and as I looked at it, and I reread from Luke again and Matthew, because Matthew and Luke are the main Christmas stories, that's where the account is written, um, I thought about what I could learn afresh. And I actually spotted a common thread or a, a theme, an, an attribute that all of the people in the Christmas story actually all had. They all shared this common theme and who they were as people. And that's this morning what I want to talk about, is what can we learn from the people that were chosen to be part of one of the biggest, the biggest event in all history of the world since it was created? And uh, what was it about them that God chose them? Because I think we can learn something from the men and women that were, that were there on that first Christmas. So if we're going to read from Luke chapter 2, and Philip's very kindly been typing away to put it up, so if you haven't got your Bibles or your phones, just read along behind me. We're going to read from verse 8, and this is uh, the shepherds. So now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold... I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour, who is Christ the Lord. Verse 12. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward toward all men. Wouldn't that have been a sight? The whole sky filled with angels. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. So God actually, one of the people that, a group of people that he chose to reveal the birth of Jesus was shepherds. Now the thing about shepherds was that they were often viewed as outcasts and dishonest and unclean even according to the law of the Jewish people. And so here's these shepherds, they were out in the fields and they spent a good part of the year, right from March right through to November, they spent out in the fields with their livestock. And uh, if you can imagine them out there, they're a bit smelly and disheveled and hadn't had a shave and they weren't, you know, the type of people that you would usually welcome a king into the world. And yet God chose these shepherds. It was an unlikely bunch of people to herald the birth of the Saviour of the world because that's actually what they did. When the angels appeared to them up in the sky and a multitude of angels saying, glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill to all men, is that they, they actually then very quickly rushed down into the city, into the town to find the star that was shining over the top of this babe. And they went in and they worshipped him. And then they didn't just go back to their sheep. They went off into the middle of the town and they wouldn't have been quiet because 
I'm a sheep farmer's daughter. And so I know that not necessarily, you know, you're a farmer and these were rough and ready type guys and young people, they would have been whooping and yahooing. Imagine if you'd just had a host of, host of angels appear to you and then you'd seen this babe in the manger, would you have been quiet about it? No. So they were yahooing it down the streets and, and letting everybody know in the pubs and the t- city was full of people. So a lot of people heard from the shepherds that night of, of the king being born. But God chose those shepherds to herald the birth of the saviour of the world. Perhaps because they already knew how lacking they were and were grateful and excited when God blessed them with his presence and chose them to share this important message They had no pride, no image to uphold. They didn't care what everybody thought if they went yahooing around saying, guess what we just saw? People didn't think much of them anyway, so it didn't matter. What can we learn from the shepherds? They didn't care about what anybody else thought. And yet God in his love and wisdom chose those shepherds, those humble shepherds to first tell the world and to be one of the first evangelists in the New Testament they were, the, they were chosen, they were picked out of all the people in the city that night. They were chosen. And I think, and I, as I look through the story of Christmas, it because they were humble and they were ready to just go and, you know, they just thought, wow, we've been chosen. Us, people who don't think much of us, the outcasts of society, these guys that sit up there and they're smelly, you know, clothes and sheep around them and sheep are smelly, let you know. They poop plots and they, you know, they bar and they, they just like a lot of noise. And, and, you know, they're not, they wouldn't have been couth. They would have been a little bit uncouth looking dudes. And yet God chose them and they would have been so overwhelmed with that privilege because they are humble. And, and as I look through the story, that's what I see, that the people that God chose, they are humble. They weren't puffed up, puffed up with pride. They weren't full of themselves, have their own importance. He chose those people that had a soft hearts and that just were humbled by the fact that God had shown himself to them. So that's what I want to talk about this morning is the fact that most of the people, of all of the people in the story of Christmas were humble people. And uh, God chose them to be witnesses. And God seems to work like that. He so often chooses the so-called foolish things of the world to declare his word and his goodness. It's not often those that, uh, you know, think a lot of themselves or were, you know, the pinnacle of society or the world thinks are it. He can use those people will, and he does if their hearts are right. But he chooses those people that everybody else often thinks are foolish, you know. He chose David out in the... And he often must like shepherds, I think. He chose David. He was out looking after his sheep and he chose him even when everybody else had forgotten him. He chose Gideon who was hiding in a wine press, hiding away from the Midianites and humbled by his circumstances, not feeling brave or anything, and God chose him. God chooses the people who aren't puffed up with pride and their own self-importance to declare his word and his goodness. And from the first Christmas... It is those people that he was able to use. If you think about it, there's Mary. He chose Mary, a young virgin from the the region of Nazareth. And if you look through the word, it actually says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So think about where you were born. I was born in a very little town called Gore. 
It's the strangest name. Imagine me coming from a place called Gore. It doesn't mean there's blood and guts everywhere. It just means that's what it's called. But he, he chose Mary from this forgotten little dot on the map, Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And he chose her to have the privilege and responsibility of caring and caring for the saviour of the world. She was just a girl, just a young girl. And yet, if you look in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, she humbled herself. And when God showed up and the angel gave the message that he was, she was chosen to carry the Messiah, the Savior of the world, she said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be, be to me according to your word. She humbled herself and said, Not my, my will, but yours. Whatever you want, God. I know I put a plan to just, you know, mind my own business and have a family with Joseph and be a carpenter's wife. But here I am. And I, you know, when you look at the song that she sings in that same chapter of Luke, it says, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Saviour, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. She knew who she was. She was just a humble girl from a forgotten town. And yet God chose her because she was that way, because she was humble. You know, if it had been, you know, the beauty queen in the palace, you know, oh, yes, you know, it it wouldn't have been the same. And if an angel would show up, oh, no, you're messing with my schedule. I've got a party on then. And oh, no, I can't do that. And what about my figure? You know, like he chose this girl and, said, and she just said, behold, here I am, use me. We can learn a lot from the people in the first Christmas that they are humble and said, here I am, yes, let's go for it. And she said that, she said, let it be to me according to your word. And because she said that, she was able to receive the promise. You know, often if we argue with God and what he says, it's like, you know, Zacharias, we learned last week that God had to shut him up and he couldn't talk until the baby was born because he would have wrecked what God was trying to do by his words. We look at Joseph. He chose a carpenter, Joseph, to care for Mary and Jesus. He entrusted this man from a forgotten town of Nazareth, someone from little consequence in the world's eyes. He was a carpenter. And he chose him to experience divine visitations. That guy, he had angels showing up all over the place in dreams, waking him up. And he, and he chose this man, Joseph, a carpenter from a little town forgotten about. And he chose him to visit him and to give him the great responsibility and trust. He had a huge responsibility put on his shoulders. And yet God, the creator of the universe, trusted him. He's described as a just man. Because when finding out that Mary is pregnant, he did not put her away. He could have had her stoned. Because when you're betrothed in those times, you're as good as married. And um, they had a promise that was legally binding. And so he, he, when she, they found out that she was pregnant, they were like, well, she's been with some other bloke. And could have had her stoned publicly. But he thought about it. And he must have been a kind-hearted gentleman who sincerely loved her. Because he tried to put her away quietly and divorce her. And what happened when the angel visits him uh, and shows up and says, you know, marry this girl, she's, bought, she's pregnant by the Holy Spirit, he, he was soft-hearted and open to God's leading enough that he received it. A prouder man could have easily brushed aside the dream. He had a dream and an angel appeared to him and spoke to him. Now, if you had a dream 
that your girlfriend or your wife or your sister or whatever had a dream and they were pregnant and you had a dream, oh no, she's, she's pregnant by God, would you get up out of bed that morning and brush it aside and go, oh no, it's just a figment of my imagination, nah. You know, he could have sat around questioning that dream and whether it was from God or not. But instead, Joseph, soft-hearted, open to God's leading, he gets up from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary to be his wife. He was a humble man. A proud man would have gone, I had it all worked out. How do I know that's right? Could have been somebody else's baby. And yet he was, he was humble enough to, you know, you know what? God's chosen to speak to me. I'm just going to go with what I know. He didn't have it all worked out. He didn't know how it was going to all plan out. But he was humble. And he let go of his pride, you know, because he was an upstanding, you know, righteous, godly man. And God messed with his plan big time. You look in Luke chapter 2 also, you'll see Simeon and Anna. And uh, when Mary and Joseph, they've, they've you know, she, Mary, Jesus has been born and they go to the temple after the time of purification and they're to offer a sacrifice um, of thanksgiving for the firstborn um, son. And uh, they bring him here and they present him to the, to the temple and to dedicate him to the Lord. And there's two people that stand out. One is Simeon and the other is Anna. I kind of like Anna. I named my daughter after her. She was a pretty awesome lady. But uh, I'll talk about her another day. But uh, Simeon, he, he was busy eagerly awaiting the Messiah, trusting that he would see him before he died. The Holy Spirit has spoken to Simeon and said, you will see the salvation of you know, Israel, Jerusalem, before you die. And so he was waiting And that day, he wasn't actually at the temple. It said, instructed by the Spirit of God, he made haste to the temple. Now, he would have been busy eating his breakfast, not his bacon, but his eggs. He would have been eating his his eggs and his bread. For those Jews, don't eat bacon. But, uh, But, you know, and then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit speaks to him and says, quick, pack up your breakfast, get your things together, get over the temple. Now, if he had been proud, if he had been like, no, I'm just, I need to do this, you know, I need to do that, I need to clean up, I need to do my hair and make sure I'm all together before I go out, he would have missed this monumental event that he had been waiting all his life for, where God had said to him, but yet you find him, what did he do? Instructed by the Spirit to go to the temple at that hour and at that time of the day, he shows up and he gets to hold Jesus, the Messiah, the long-awaited one, in his arms and prophesy and pray over him and declare who he was to everybody else in the temple. He was a humble man who just went, when God spoke, he did it. If he hadn't done that, he would have missed out. He would have missed out and he would have been sitting there going, oh, am I ever going to see this Messiah before I die? But he, because he, you know, the spirit went go. And so at that time, at that hour, At that opportune time, he was there and he took Jesus in his arms and he prophesied over him and he he declared to everybody else around, this is the Messiah, the salvation of the world. The other one who was there at the time was Anna. Now she she was a widow. She'd been a widow since she'd been married seven years and then her husband died. And instead of remarrying, she had spent all her time in the temple praying and fasting. And she was a prophetess. So she would speak to people and declare to people about what God was saying. And people listened to her. She was a righteous lady who people listened to and looked up to. And she was there and she arrives in the same place that Simeon is at the same time. Isn't God cool? He just lines everybody up. She was a 
humble lady of prayer and fasting and, and, wanted, and faithfulness. And at that moment, God rewards her faithfulness as she recognizes who Simeon is talking about, and that is Jesus. And she comes up and she looks at this baby. And then she goes and she said, this is who it is. This is the saviour of the world. This is the one we've been waiting for. And she goes and then gives thanks to the Lord and goes and tells everybody else about who she has just met and declares his arrival in all of Jerusalem. You see who God used? He used these humble shepherds out there and yet he chose them to herald the arrival of the king. He chooses Mary and Joseph from a little forgotten town of Nazareth who nobody thought were of any consequence and he chooses them to, be, to carry this baby and to care for it. They are humble of heart and they are ready to be used. He chose to have Simeon and Anna to see and declare, wow, this is the king that we've been waiting for. They'd been waiting hundreds of years. They'd been waiting through their history books. They knew that Messiah was coming and yet they waited and they waited and because they are obedient to the Holy Spirit's call, come on, today's the day. They got to see, they got to hold, they got to rejoice. Now, you know how excited we are when a baby is born in our midst. Imagine how excited they were. They knew the importance of Jesus' birth. And here he was, right in front of them, after the generations and generations have been waiting, and they got to see. Why? Because they're humble, they weren't puffed up in their own little busyness, and they're ready to go when God said. See how we can learn from the first Christmas story and, and the people in it? Now, lastly is the wise men. I love these dudes. They were, they were cool dudes. You know, they, they humbly came to pay respect and homage to this newborn king. Historians have predicted a world ruler from Judea at this time. They'd been looking through the history. And the belief was that a phenomenon of stars announced special births. And that was widely known. They held that belief that when the stars all lined up in a certain time and place, and they would study those. And, you know, it says that even if we won't praise the Lord, even the rocks will cry out. And the stars were crying out, he's born, he's born. And they were watching the stars. And history, they were history followers. They were history buffs, you know. And uh, these men viewed the stars from a distant land. And they could have taken up to two years to reach Judea. They brought three gifts, gold associated with royalty, frankincense, a costly incense, and myrrh, which was a prized perfume. And they didn't care that they hadn't, didn't arrive at a palace. You know, they were, they were following the star, but they were looking for a king. But they didn't care that they didn't show up at a palace. You know, they'd gone there. Nah, he's not there. It was this dude called Herod who doesn't look like a nice king. You know, he's not the one. And uh, they weren't received in a palace. They came to honour a king and a humble home. By the time they got to, you know, we, we kind of messed the Christmas story up a little bit in the nativity. By the time they got to Jesus, they'd been following that star for months and months and months. Jesus was not a tiny little newborn anymore. And they came to where Mary and Joseph were living in a house. Imagine that, these three kings on their, whatever they got there. We say camels because they came from a long way. And they rocked up with their gifts. Imagine Mary and Joseph, what they would have felt like. But they humbly brought them in. They didn't go, well, no, sorry, I don't know who you are. Go away. You look funny. You dress different. No, they let them in and they let them pay honour and, and, you know, give their gifts to Jesus. And, that, and imagine how thankful those three wise men were, or those wise men were, that they actually had found him. They had been travelling a long time. 
Interestingly enough, the chief priests and scribes who were supposedly watching as well for the event that for hundreds of years history are told, they were the ones that missed out. They were specialised in copying official records, scripture and commentaries of of scripture. So they had all their little study books out and they were watching and they kept all the written oral laws and, you know, they developed up to 1,500 additional laws and traditions to explain scripture and ultimately to be obeyed. So that's why Jesus actually had a bit of a go at the chief priests and the scribes and Pharisees because they'd weighed the people down with all these extra rules and regulations. And because they had done that, they didn't think that Jesus qualified as a Messiah because they had written all these little extra bits into the law and they looked at Jesus and went, oh no, he doesn't match up with what we think. You can learn something from those dudes too. They are numbered among the chief opponents to Jesus because of their pride and their reliance on their own wisdom they missed out. They thought they knew it all. And here was Jesus born smack in the middle of where they were and they went, oh no, that's not who it is. No, no, we've, made, we've figured it out. This is how God's going to do it. And they missed it. And I would so not want any of us to be like that. I don't want to be like that. Where I make up, I can understand this and I know this and I've figured it out. And you miss what God is doing because you, in your own human wisdom and revelations, you think that you know it all. There's a warning for us in their mistake. Don't miss what God is doing because it doesn't fit into your understanding. If you aren't sure about it, if you go, oh, I just don't know, stick it on the shelf and just let God speak to you from it. If you know you say, oh, I don't understand, just say, well, I know it all, because that's what the scribes and Pharisees and the chief priests did. They missed it because they'd added all the stuff or their own little background and history, and they'd made up their mind, this is how it was going to be, and they missed it. And God chose to use shepherds and men from miles away and Mary and Joseph and Anna and Simeon because they are humble and they are able to be taught, and God said, okay, I can use you. Those guys, they missed it. And they had been studying the books for hundreds and hundreds of years. And I know from my own life that when you think that you know it all, you can miss it. You know, when I first walked into a church in Kalgoorlie Church of Christ and I sat there with my arms folded and I'd been in a lovely little church that was very not like this one. (laughs) And uh, they taught me some stuff, but they didn't teach me about the Holy Spirit. And I remember Pastor Larry, he reminds me every now and then, He says, oh, you walked into that first service when you came in and you sat there with your arms folded and went, hmm, nothing's going to touch me. I know you wouldn't believe it now, but I did because I thought, no, these people are wacky and they're a bit strange and what are they doing, yahooing and, you know, hands raised and, you know, I I came from a church that I'd been in through my teenagers where women weren't allowed to even talk. And church. So, but that was my understanding. And yet God, he just interrupted lovingly and lovely, but he did. He blew, blew all that off, off of me and said, you know what? I'm going to come in here and show you something that you might not have seen before. And I'm so glad he did. So I kind of get the chief scribes and Pharisees, chief priests and scribes, because they thought they knew it all from their understanding. But we can learn from them that don't miss what God is doing if you, just because you think you know. If you're not sure, as I said, put it on the shelf and go, God, you speak to me. Speak to me. And sometimes it takes a lot of time, you know, months, years for him to show you. Instead of make up your mind, let God show you. If you're not sure and you're hearing something, let God show you.
Let's learn from those dudes who missed out. You know, Paul was a good example. He was one of them, and he was a proud religious zealot who thought he knew it all about God. But then God interrupted him, and only after he'd humbled his heart could God use him. And yeah, he wrote half the Bible, and he traveled, and he was a church planner, and he's a mighty man of God. But it was only till, until he humbled his heart, or God humbled him, that he was able to be used. So see how powerful humility is and just having an open heart and going, God, you lead me. And 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27 says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. That no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. That, as it is written, he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. If sometimes we can get a little bit puffed up or we get a little bit distracted, let us glory in what God has done. And then he can use us, just like he did the first people in, in the Christmas story. You know, this Christmas, perhaps, it's, we need to take our lead from each of those who took their part in, in heralding and seeing Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Too often we miss what God is doing right in front of us and we get caught up, and it's not necessarily into heavenly things. We get caught up in the busyness, we get caught up in our agendas and our way of thinking, we get caught up in striving and going, I'm busy, 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 I'm too busy for that God. And imagine if Mary or Joseph had done that. Imagine if the wise men had done that. Imagine if Simeon had done that. I'm busy, busy, me, 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 me. I've got my Christmas dinner to cook. You know, we won't pick on Martha this morning, but she sometimes missed out. You know, and to be honest, when we're like that, we miss God-given opportunities for God to make us part of this amazing salvation story that we are smack in the middle of. You know, we look at the first Christmas over 2,000 years ago and we wonder sometimes how that is playing out in our lives. But you can see from those men and women that it is still happening, that the salvation story is as to tell now. And if we be like them and we humble ourselves and we put aside our agendas and say, God, just use me, that we will find ourselves smack right in the middle of this salvation story for this time, where we get to herald the king, where we get to be in his presence, when we get to tell the world like those shepherds did up and down the street and in the houses and in the marketplace and in the pubs that Jesus is king and he has come to save the world. But only if we humble ourselves, only if we say, I don't know it all, I don't have it all together, but God, you use me. Amen? There is much to be said for walking humbly and thankfully before God. How often do we miss walking across a room and welcoming someone who's new when they walk in the door? How often do we miss inviting others to share a meal with us? How many people are out by themselves leading up to Christmas and they haven't been invited over for a meal or a coffee? Or, you know, they're alone. How often... You know, the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 13 that some have actually entertained angels unawares when they do that. Want to entertain an angel? We'll go and find somebody (laughs) to entertain. Yes, Stephen. (laughs) 
or how, you know, we can help a stranger or smile. How often do we miss those opportunities to bless somebody, have a kind word for those at work or on your street or your neighbour when they're getting the mail out of their mailbox at uni and your everyday life? It's too easy to say, well, I'm too busy, I'm tired, I've had a really hectic day, have you seen the shops? I know all that and so does God. And yet those guys from the first Christmas, they were not too busy to be part of the Christmas story. Opportunities to minister and bless usually come when we've had exactly one of those days. And uh, I just want to share as I finish one of Jesus' busiest and hardest days and, you know, he, he, he teaches us, don't miss the opportunities to minister. This is one of his days. He'd had a day where it was pretty tough. His disciples had been out ministering and they'd all come back excited to tell Jesus what they'd been doing. And just previous to that, Jesus had actually just heard that his cousin, John the Baptist, had been beheaded. And uh, he wanted to just go away to a deserted place and get himself back together and rest. And um, there are many people coming and going and, and, you know, Jesus, Jesus, I need this, I need this. And, you know, sometimes we can feel like that in life, can't we? Everybody needs you. If you're me, I feel that quite often. Everybody needs me. And uh, you might feel that in your workplace. Everybody needs me. And that's how Jesus felt that day, that he just wanted to take some time out. He'd taken a hit. You know, his, his, John the Baptist had just been beheaded and all his disciples were blah, 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 blah in his ear. And he said, okay, and they had no time to eat and all these people around. And so they headed off in the boat to a deserted place by themselves. But you know what? The multitudes, they knew Jesus and his path of where he went. So they went, oh, no, he's going over there. Let's go. So they all headed from all the cities around to meet Jesus before he even got across to where the boat was going. So he's like, oh, I just want to be by myself and hang out with my mates here. You know, they were really close to him, the disciples. I can just be ministered to and just take some time with the Father and get myself back together. By the time he got to the other side, here was the multitude thousands of people and they're all waiting for him and what did Jesus do he said that uh, he was moved with compassion for them because they are like sheep without a shepherd and uh, so after he preached for several hours several hours he'd taken time with them he said all right you know did he say this all right time to go finish now finish with preaching off you go No, he didn't. It was actually the day that he fed the 5,000. He said, what have we got to feed them? And then he blessed and he gave thanks and and multiplied that food. And he was teaching us something. When people come to you, don't send them away. Give them something to eat, both physically and spiritually. Give them what they need. Give them what they need. Even And Jesus knows. He has been through everything that we could go through and more. He was tired. He was beaten up. He was discouraged. He'd had a death in the family. He knew. And yet, even when he went away to be by himself and they came to him, because people will, opportunities to minister and bless others come at the most inopportune, annoying, challenging times. Yeah? Any mum knows that? Any dad knows that? Yeah, they come at the most inopportune times when you just, I'm so tired. Yep, okay, I'm here. But that's what Jesus did. And, and, you know, being part of God's story is always inconvenient most of the time. And uh, you might also be tired. But when we walk in humility and thankfulness, God steps in and uses us. Where we run out, God steps in. 
So I encourage you this Christmas to take a leaf out of the disciples and Jesus book, that when you're tired, that when you're just, I just want to go and lie on my bed, thank you very much, and you know, the Christmas is coming, to look out for those opportunities where God just makes you part of his story. Go, oh, that person there needs me. Oh, I just can bless that person. You know, when you're out shopping, you can just bless someone with a kind word. Or, you know, invite somebody over for a meal or invite them for a coffee. You know, Mary did that. She was simply planning to be a wife of a carpenter, yet God interrupted her plans and asked her to be the one who carried the savour of the world. She humbled herself and set aside her agenda and said, here I am, use me. Joseph did that. I'm sure he had his carpentry business, a godly wife picked out and everything planned, yet God chose of all girls his Mary to carry the saviour of the world. And from then on, Joseph's life was never the same. It was inconvenient, as often been part of God's plan and purposes. It was unusual and it was confronting. But he humbly accepted the task God gave him and he is part of one of the most amazing events in history. The shepherds reminding their own business when God interrupted their quiet evening. They are in humble state, chose to set aside their agendas, leave their sheep, which were their livelihood, and go off and go and see this baby and declare to all what happened. Simeon and Anna, they were old. You see, God, in the Christmas story, he picked every age group just to show that God can use anyone. If you're sitting there going, oh, well, leave it to the young ones, uh-uh. Simeon and Anna were old. Uh. <laughs> and yet, the Holy Spirit sent them both on an assignment to meet the Messiah. They dropped everything they were doing that day and made for the temple and that place and that hour. And because they did, they got to see Jesus and declare to all what was happening. The wise men, I'm sure from many of their own country, thought they were a little crazy, packing up all their belongings and travelling for months to follow a star. Imagine that. Imagine if you just packed up all your belongings and said, I'm just going to follow the star. What would their families have thought? What would their colleagues have thought? Well, all the, and you know, they'd go through the town to pick up some supplies. Oh, where are you going? Oh, we're just following the star. Right. Wacko. And yet they did because they're humble and they thought, not something important is happening. Something important is happening and we want to be in the middle of it. They had to, must have had to swallow their pride and just make the decision to go for it. We can learn a lot from these guys. They were some of the first to see the Son of God and to tell others all about him. And we can be the same. We can be instruments of God's love because he's always looking to use people. And he wants to use each one of us this Christmas, just as he did the first Christmas. He wants to use us every single day. But as we can see from the account of the first Christmas, it's when he chooses to use those who are humble and thankful and who listen and who act to be humble in heart, to be thankful, who listen up, and when they hear, they just go. And to set aside their own agendas and pick up his. Christmas is a time for us to shine. We're the church. It's actually our celebration. It's our time to declare to the world how good he is. And, you know, and to look out and to give thanks and to lift up and to be out on the lookout for the lost, the lonely, the hurting, the forgotten, the hungry, the hungry, for the new person that walks into our midst, for that family member that's sitting all by themselves in the corner at lunch at Christmas dinner, or the workmate that's sitting at the Christmas party by themselves off in the corner. 
We have so much to be thankful for. And sometimes we do need a reminder to just humble our hearts and go, God, sorry. I might have been a little bit caught up in my own little way of thinking. I might have thought I knew it all. Or I've just been tired and I can't be bothered. And they go, God, just sorry. I want to be part of the salvation story that's still been played out since that first Christmas. Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your word that teaches us. We thank you for the account of the first Christmas and the amazing men and women that we read about, Lord, that sometimes we can gloss over just what you are doing in each one of those lives. But Lord, we thank you that we can see that they were all humble. They were all ready to be used. They all took up the opportunities when that was placed before them of sharing and going to see who you were and are. And Lord, we ask this morning that you would just take this word that we've heard today, Lord, and you'd settle it deep into our hearts and our minds and that it would bear fruit. That as the weeks and the days lead up to Christmas, that we would be mindful of having hearts that just receive and, and hearts that are open to direction. Lord, that we look out for those that are new. We look out for those who are lost or hurting or those that just need a smile. Lord, that we would be just like Anna and Simeon and the shepherds, and just like Mary and Joseph, quick and ready to go, Lord, whatever you're doing. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to be like the shepherds, to not be afraid, that we don't have to be afraid because you're with us, and that you want to make us a part of your plan and your story still being played out. And we want to be smack right in the middle of it, Lord. We want to see and experience all that you have for us this Christmas. So I ask that you use us, Lord, and give us a nudge when we need it and help us not to be puffed up with our understanding and knowledge that we miss what you are doing. We pray in Jesus' precious name. And we all said, Amen. So go out and have an amazing week. I know God will use you if you say, Lord, here I am, just like Mary did. Be blessed.